Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate appreciate that. Amen. Appreciate that no longer how old our name has is on that page. It's still a new name, isn't it? It's always fresh every day. Thankful that my name's written there. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Zechariah chapter 5. Zechariah chapter 5. I'm, I have to confess before we even begin that um, my intention, of course, is to preach the entire chapter. There's two visions here, and, but um, one of the, especially the second vision, it seemed like every commentator, every person that I checked with, they had a different idea of what it meant. Couldn't even build consensus. And um, and we'll notice as you read through, he, Zechariah doesn't do what he normally does. Usually, Zechariah says, Lord, what does this mean? And the Lord says, you don't know what this means? He says, no, I don't know what this means. And then the Lord tells him what it means. I know Zechariah got tired of telling the Lord he didn't know what it meant. But what I really think happened is that Zechariah knew what it meant. And he didn't need to ask. And so I'm, especially when we're talking about the second um, vision, I want you to know that if you go and read your favorite commentary and it says something different, it's probably so. But how I've come to understand this passage has been based on the assumption that Zechariah understood what he saw. And so that is how I'm going to, under, how I'm going to preach it tonight based on the one that made the most sense that Zechariah would have understood it without an explanation. So that is, that is where I'm standing this, this evening, and by the help of the Lord, trusting that is the case. But I will say this. If my understanding is clouded and is incorrect, and based on the wide variety of options that are out there, that's very likely that is the case. I don't believe that anything that we'll say today will be not the truth. I think the spiritual principles, the things that, uh, that would guide our life, the application thereof, I do believe that we, uh, with full confidence, that what I'm going to say will be the truth. And I don't shy away from that. I probably would not have used this text but this is, this is one of the reasons that I like to preach through books is the God, that God challenges me to preach texts that I wouldn't have picked of my own choosing. A little bit of a challenge. And I'd encourage you, if you've got any commentaries at home, you're welcome to check. And uh, if you want to agree with them, you go ahead and agree with them. But what I'd ask you to do is tonight listen for the truth and see if we can't uh, agree on the truth together. So I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Zechariah chapter 5. Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a flying roll or scroll. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying roll, and the length thereof is twenty cubits, and the breadth thereof is ten cubits. 
Then he said unto me, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. For everyone that stealeth shall be cut off as this side according to it. And everyone that sweareth shall be cut off on that side according to it. I will bring forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name, and it shall remain in the midst of his house, and it shall consume it with the timber and thereof and the stones thereof. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes and see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? And he said, This is an ephah, an ephah that goeth forth. And he said, Moreover, this is their resemblance through the, all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, This is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Then lifted I up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up their lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Whither do these bear the ephah? And he said unto me, To build it an house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. Not as clear as can be. Father, I believe almost every single time that I pray before a message, I ask you to help me to rightly divide the word of truth. And tonight, I especially need your help. There's so much disagreement among the scholars. Father, men much greater than I have made different understood this passage differently than me. But Father, I ask that you'd hide me behind the cross and that the truth would ring forth in spite of any confusion, in spite of anything that, any mistake or error in understanding. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to, for the truth of your word to ring in our hearts and help us to live, help us to be what you'd have us to be. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You know, young people are thinkers. And if you ever have taught young people or preached in a chapel or, or anything like that, you'll find out that young people, if you give them a chance to ask their questions and they have confidence in, in you enough that they can ask their questions, they will ask questions That'll make you squirm. <laughs> and I like that. Just to be honest with you, I like that. One, I was that kind of young person. Oh, teachers, Sunday school teachers, preachers, science teachers, they all, man, I made them all squirm. Not because I was trying to be ornery, even though I am, but because I want to know, I want to understand. One of the things that we talk about is that we talk about the fact that God is the God of love, and He is. 
And we say that we can come to the Lord anytime. And I'm not sure that's perfectly true. The Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. And I read of a young man who went to his youth pastor and he, and, and he was talking and the youth pastor didn't like the decisions that this young man was taking. And the young man said, listen, I, you told me that God loves me. You said I can be, if, I, if ever I want to be forgiven, all I have to do is call upon the Lord. He says, I'm just going to go ahead and do all these things that you don't like. And sometime down the road, I'll ask God to forgive me and he will and that'll be okay. And you know, as adults, we all say, wait a minute, no, 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 that's not the way it's supposed to be. Wait, wait. We have to be careful about how we say things. We can... One of the things that we don't understand about sin, I really think that we struggle with this, is that sin believes that it has squatter's rights. You invite sin into your front door... Say, I want you only to stay for a little while. You can stay for a day or two. You can stay for a week. And sin comes in and it sets up house in your heart and sin doesn't want to leave when you would like for it to go. And one of the things that's scary is that we fail to understand that we can only come to salvation if the Holy Spirit draws us. That is the only way that we can hope to be saved. And if the Holy Spirit isn't drawing us, there will be no desire to be saved. And it's a dangerous thing to cross into this, this uh, laissez-faire, this, this uh, attitude of, of carelessness when inviting sin into our home and into our heart. Because sin doesn't die easily. And sin won't be evicted easily. It's too convenient to stay right where it is. And oftentimes... Sin becomes such a part of us that it, we can't even imagine life without that sin. And it becomes a habit or an addiction. And we don't even know if we want to be without it anymore. You talk to a sinner about their sin and they, and they will defend their sin. It is amazing the, the logical arguments that they produce, and, and, and I say that tongue-in-cheek because the, the logic is usually incredibly flawed, the mental gymnastics to excuse and justify their sin. Sin is something that we ought to hate. There's a story, and it's probably not true, but, it, but it, it's kind of humorous. President uh, Calvin Coolidge was was known as someone who didn't like to talk very much. I don't know how you get to be president if you don't like to talk. But President Coolidge was not, he was known as kind of a quiet president. And the story goes that he came home from church one, one Sunday. His wife didn't go with him for whatever reason. And, and she said to him, what was the sermon on? And President Coolidge said, Sin. So I said, well, what, what, well, what, what did he say about it? 
President Coolidge said, he was against it. <laughs> I like that. It's, small, it's not very many words, but really, that, that really sums up not just the, the, the stand of, of your pastor, but it's the, it's the stand of our God. He is against it. He's against it. And it, whereas these previous visions that we've been preaching about through Zechariah, they have all been visions of hope and they've been visions of encouragement. Now the Lord is, is after he's encouraged just a little bit, now he wants to put his finger on some things. Isn't that nice? You know, there's some good psychology to that. Butter them up and then let them have it. <laughs> And the Lord does it in many, 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 many places in Scripture. He's encouraged us. He's given us some good encouragement about how He forgives sin and, and about how He's going to help us and, and how He's not going to leave us and He's in the midst of us and that He's great enough to handle our problems. And, and we've had some really, uh, what I have considered some really encouraging messages from the book of Zechariah. And I've gotten a lot of just real blessing from it. But now the Lord is saying, all right, Zechariah, now we need to deal with some things. So the first, the first uh, vision he sees is a flying scroll. Now you and I, we've seen probably these banners being pulled behind airplanes. And it probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you and to me. But I can't imagine what that must have looked like to Zachariah. As he's looking there and he sees this scroll flying through the air. I mean, that's something, isn't it? 20 cubits by 10 cubits. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's just up there and it's... And it's for all the world to see. What do you see, Zechariah? Well, I see a flying scroll. <laughs> wow. And the Lord says, on one side of it is written this. Everyone who is a thief is going to be lost. And on the other side, everyone who swears by God's name falsely is going to be lost. Wow. I mean, he's, he's going right, right down, isn't he? You know, it's interesting that, that the one stealing is, is against our, our fellow man. That we would take advantage, that we would, that we would take something that doesn't belong to us. But the other side is what we do, sin against God, that we say to God, this is the way, that we would sin directly against Him. Commentators believe, and, and it seems to make sense, that these people have come home from the Babylonian captivity, and now they need to you know, pick out houses in the, through the rubble. And what was happening is they'd go to their, their family dwelling and see it was in bad shape. This is in terrible shape. It's in disarray. It's been broken down. There's a lot of work to be done. But they'd go over here and, man, this house looks pretty good. We can do something with this. And actually the land's a little bigger. And it, You know, this is a much nicer uh, piece of property. And, of course, all the records have been destroyed. The Babylonians destroyed all that. 
And so people were going and they were, they were taking their case to, to Zerubbabel and, uh, and to Joshua the high priest and they were saying, this is my family property over here. Well, there's no way to, to check the records. They've been destroyed. And someone would come along and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Governor Zerubbabel, uh, oh, that's my family's property. Well, what are you going to do if you're Zerubbabel? You don't know whose family it is. You don't know whose house it belongs to. And so here's what would happen. They would take these people to the temple and they would have to swear by Almighty God that they were telling the truth. Now you and I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus said not to do that. Absolutely, but this was before Jesus' commandment. And this is what was supposed to happen, is if a person was willing to swear that before Almighty God, the governor, the, the judge who was in charge would say this, if they're lying, let God deal with them. They have chosen to not accept the correction of this court, but to be judged and corrected if they are lying by the court of heaven. That's a serious thing. That's a serious thing. But do you know what happens? God keeps his lightning bolts in his hand. He just doesn't... I mean, it would be nice if it's the other guy, not us, but if it's the other guy. You know, I, I, I've got a problem with Dean. Dean's, Dean's, and I take him to court and we do this, and Dean's lying. You know, zap him, Lord, zap him, and nothing happens. Dean's like, whew, survived for another day but he's cheating me out of my house. And do you know what happens? Other people know it. Jimmy knows. Jimmy and Amy know that, that Dean's lying. They know. They're in the family. So you know what Jimmy says? Jimmy says, you know, Dean get, didn't get zapped. He was able to lie before Almighty God. He didn't get zapped. Maybe we ought to try that. There's a nice house down the road. Hey, Governor Zerubbabel, this is our house. And now it's not my house, it's Alex's house. And Alex says, wait a minute, Governor, it's mine. And so here we go, back to, the, back to the temple. And Jimmy doesn't get zapped either. This is frustrating. Thank God for his grace. Let me just interject that. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for time to make right what we've done wrong. I'm glad that not every case is an Ananias and Sapphira situation. I'm thankful that God gave me opportunity to repent and that he did keep his lightning bolts in his hands when it should have been me zapped. But because God does not bring judgment immediately, there gets to be a carelessness that goes in the land because God is being gracious and giving Dean and giving Jimmy time to repent because of God's goodness and graciousness to them. 
others, it begins to spread. And because it begins to spread, we think that the court of heaven is closed for business. But I want to tell you that God is saying, listen, he says, this is not always going to be the case. There will be judgment brought into the home and it's going to destroy their home. It'll destroy their family. And I want you to know that sin destroys homes and it destroys families. Sin wrecks lives. And it may not look like the hand of God. It might look like the hand of the law. And it might look like uh, just an accident. It might, and it just might look like uh, a, a broken marriage. It might look like a divorce. It might look uh, like children who, who don't like their parents or love their parents and won't call them and write to them anymore. And, and, and there's fussing and feuding. Folks, it may not look like the hand of God, but I want you to know it is the mark of sin in a home. And when sin comes into a home, it destroys it. It destroys it. And the scroll is there. It's the word of God. And we will be judged by the word of God. I don't know if this is the case I read, and, and I couldn't find, find collaboration for this, but I think it's interesting that the dimensions of this scroll... I, th- I was like, Zechariah, how did you know the dimensions of the scroll? How did you know that? Some of you know, can, can just do that. Some of you people, I mean, you just... Especially, oh, that's a 9mm. How do you know the difference between a 9mm and a 10mm? It's a millimeter. How do you do that? But you people, some of you guys know that. You can just look at it. Some commentators believe that the measurement of this flying scroll, it was the same exact measurement of the Holy of Holies. And the idea would be that God was going to judge us against His holiness. And I think that is exactly the way it is. Not only are we going to be judged by the Word of God, but we are going to be judged by the holiness of Almighty God. Oh, that God would help us to live as holy people. And that we wouldn't play around with sin because of God's grace. That we wouldn't, that we wouldn't cheapen His grace and just trample over it just because He's slow to anger. Help us to be careful because sin destroys homes. The second vision... This one's a strange one. And I told you before the, the message that it seems like everybody had a different thought. But here's the picture. It's an ephah. And, 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 ephah and, I, and that's, a, the big, that's the largest measurement of, of dry goods in, in the Jewish uh, uh, measurement si- uh, system. It, it was, it was li- I believe it was a little larger than our bushel basket. And so here's this, and I don't totally understand, but here it is. It's, it's this bushel basket, and on top of it is a lid of, made out of lead, and it weighs a talent. 
And it's on top of this, on this bushel basket. Kind of a weird picture, isn't it? The Lord goes over to it, and it opens up the lid, and there sitting in that basket is a woman sitting, and the Lord says her name is wickedness, and she tries to get out, and the Lord slams the lid on it. Doesn't let her out of there. And here comes these two other women, and they've got wings like a stork. And they come and they fly and carry this thing off. And I'm saying, Zachariah, if there was ever a time to say, Lord, what is going on? Now is a good time to, to ask. <laughs> this is a little bit confusing. And so forgive me if I've, I believe, I believe that, that probably what I'm going to share with you is the likely answer, or at least as likely as I can determine. But we have a people, a Jewish people, who are in the midst of famine and difficulty. They have been suffering as they've come back to Jerusalem. Things have not gone well. God has not rewarded them because they've had sin in their lives. God has not been blessing them. He's going to start soon. Soon he's going to start, but here it is. It's February when they're, they, uh, he's receiving these visions. He, he's, it's February, and, and, and the harvest hasn't been very good, and they're hungry, and they're having a difficult time, and they're struggling as a people. And a bushel shows up of food, and I can imagine that there had to be a little bit of excitement on... Zechariah's part, hopeful that God is sending a sign that he's going to send food. But it's got a lid on it. Who puts a lid on a bushel basket, especially one made out of lead? And so they walk over to it, and the Lord opens it up, and there is sitting a woman. And the Lord says her name is Wickedness. And all the feminists had a fit. Why in the world would God use a woman to represent wickedness? I mean, come on, is God a misogynist or what? And I'll be honest with you, the, the feminists do. They have a real fit over this. Now, you look at Adam Clark, and Adam Clark thinks that this, this woman is, is Israel, and I don't think so because I don't know that God would have called Israel wickedness. Here's what I think it is. Based on the text, based on what, what Zechariah would have guessed, would have, would have thought in that time, I believe this woman is actually an idol. She's in a sitting position. She's an idol. And when, and when the, these winged women take this off, Zechariah says, where are they going? He says, they're going to Shinar. They're going back to Babylon. And they're going to put her on a base or a pedestal. It seems to me, it seems to me that this sitting woman 
is not Israel as, as Adam Clark believes, but I believe she is the goddess of the harvest from Babylon, which makes sense because she is sitting in a bushel basket. Do you see why I kind of landed here? It would make sense to me because Zechariah would likely have recognized the goddess of the harvest from Babylon. He would have probably connected that with the bushel basket. And realizing that they're taking it back to Babylon tells me, it really seems to indicate to me that this is the goddess of the harvest from Babylon. Do you see why I landed there? All right, you, you believe what you want. But the evidence seems to me to stack up that way. So I don't believe God is a misogynist and hates women or think that women are wicked. I believe that this was a representation of the false god, the goddess of the harvest. And I think it's interesting that the Babylon god of the harvest was a female, was a goddess. That's, I think that this all connects together. If you'll follow my logic, and not just my logic, others that I have read, this is why I've settled here. So what's going on? They're hungry. Things are hard. They have suffered. God has not rewarded them because there's still sin in the camp. They haven't been building the, the temple. They haven't been doing what they're supposed to be doing. They've been living for themselves. They're hungry. The harvest hasn't been very good. The people are sick. And February is a great time for being sick, isn't it? I mean, February comes and we all get the flu and the colds and it's just miserable. And when you don't have enough nutrition, it's even worse. I know because it's my birthday in February and I'm often sick on my birthday. <laughs> and so here they are suffering. It's February. And do you know what the temptation is? To go back to idolatry. To go back to the things that used to work. Or at least we thought they worked. You see, idolatry is what got Israel captured by the Babylonians in the first place. And now, the idols of Babylon... They're making their way into the hearts of the people. They're being tempted. If we'll pray to this goddess, if we'll pray to her, maybe she might give us a good harvest this coming year. I'm tired of my kids being hungry. I'm tired of being hungry myself. I, I, it, it, God hasn't blessed us. God hasn't rewarded us. It, it's time for us to go back. And, and, and if, we'll, we'll, if God won't answer our prayers, then we'll ask the goddess of the harvest of the Babylons, if, they, if she won't hear our prayers. And here's a real dangerous thing. Is there is a temptation to go back, Kelsey. Uh, there's a temptation to go back to the things we used to do when things get hard in our walk with the Lord. And it's why we have to really encourage, and this is why we tell you young people, don't play around with sin, because when you do that, there's a real pull. 
There's a strong pull to go back to the things that we used to do because this Christianity thing isn't working out the way we wished it would. It's not all sunshine and roses. God doesn't answer every prayer as soon as we pray it. God doesn't uh, deal with that person that's hurting us and, and doing wicked things against us. He doesn't deal with them right away. He keeps his, his lightning bolts in his back pocket. He won't even put it in his hand. And there's a temptation from the enemy. Go back. But I want to tell you something. God has got a lid on the devil. And that old woman, she tried to get out of that basket. Pick God took her and shoved her down. Praise God, we serve a God that is greater than our sin. Woo! Praise the Lord. I'm feeling good tonight. <laughs> he shoved that old woman in, down into that basket. He stomped that lid down, slammed it down. And he said, woman, you're not getting out in the midst of my people anymore. God is greater than our sin. And sin can try to get out, but if we're willing to be kept by Almighty God, if we want to be kept, He's able to keep us. And here come these two women. Are they angels? Probably not. Because they got wings like a stork and that's an unclean bird. So they don't, so they don't think they're angels. I don't know what they are. They're probably demons because they're fooling around with evil things. And here they come and they take this basket. And Zechariah says, where's it going? It's going back to the Babylonians to be set up on a pedestal. It's going back to the world. Folks, we better be careful how much we play around with the world because they set the idols and they set sin on pedestals. And sin becomes a, a, a thing to be worshipped, a thing to be glorified, a thing to be honored. We better be careful how much we allow the love of this world into our hearts. We better be careful how close we're willing to pitch our tent towards Sodom. There's a real danger. There's a real danger because... Listen, the Lord didn't slay this goddess. He sent her back home. Back to the world and away from God's people. And folks, if we are going to fool around in Babylon, we're going to find ourselves at her pedestal, bowing down and worshiping her just like the rest of the world. Because when she gets to Babylon, she gets out of that basket and she gets to sit on her pedestal and she gets to reign in the hearts of those people. And I'll just be honest with you, I have no desire to live where these things abound. I don't want to be anywhere near where sin is glorified and sin is worshipped and sin gets the center stage. I want to be where God is glorified and where God gets the center stage. What are we going to do with sin? Are we going to let her out and we're going to let her reign all over us? Or are we going to keep sin by God's grace and God's help? God slammed the sin door down. We can fool around with sin. We can have it. Oh, it's in private. Nobody knows. We live in a day when private sin is, is probably at a premium. 
Never in history could you sin as privately as you can now. I mean, we can, we can get on the internet and we're in private. Nobody knows that we're gambling or looking at things we ought not to be looking at or, or whatever we're doing. We got, nobody knows we're doing it. Sin has a pedestal in your heart. And your heart is Babylon. Your heart is Shinar. And that woman sitting on a pedestal. She may not be the goddess of the harvest. She might be the goddess of fortune. She might be the goddess of luck. She might be the goddess of, uh, of pleasure. She might be the goddess of, of pornography. She might be the goddess of whatever it is, lust and, and all the things of this world. But if you allow her to have a pedestal in your heart, she will sit there and she will call the shots. And the only hope is to get it dealt with and have God shove her down into the basket and have her carried off. I thank God we serve a God who will knock down the false gods. He did it with Dagon. If you remember when, they ca- when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant and they put the Ark beside the Dagon, Dagon fell down. Worship, they came in, they said, we don't want that. We don't want him worshiping. They picked him back up. He fell down again. He was broken down. <laughs> God's able to cast down the false gods in your heart if you have any. But don't let them have a place in the first place. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I want to tell you what Billy Sunday said. See if I can see. I want to tell you what Billy Sunday said. He said, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot and I'll fight it as long as I got a fist, and I'll bite it as long as I got a tooth, and when I'm toothless, I'll gum it until I go home to glory, and it goes home to perdition. I like that. And you know that's what it's going to take. We're going to have to fight. As long as you got a foot or a fist or a tooth, or if you just got the gums, fight against it. Because in the hearts of God's people, it cannot have a place. He is holy. And he has called us to be a holy people. And I don't want sin to have a, I don't want it to have a pedestal in my heart. Knock it down, Lord. Knock it down. Carry it off. I don't want it. I want victory. Victory all the time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Amen. Alex, dismiss us in prayer, please.